Well, good morning, everyone. I am so excited to be here with you again this morning, continuing our summer scripture talk series, Flawed Yet Faithful, where we are going through all of these heroes of faith from Hebrews chapter 11, who remind us what it is like to persevere amidst hardships, trials, and even our own weaknesses. Now, just a reminder to you, we actually don't know who the author of Hebrews is, but we do know that it was written to a group of people who were going through it. They were being persecuted. They were going through trials, hardships, you name it. And yet they were challenged to move forward into maturity, that they were encouraged to continue in their faith, to not falter in their faith, but instead to endure. And unlike most of the books of the Bible, this is a book that focuses more on people and less on doctrine. So instead of listing all these things about God, and even though it does do some of that, it focuses a lot on people and their specific stories. And so this morning, before we dive into our hero of faith, we're going to look at our passage to ponder that really sums up a lot of what we want to talk about throughout this series. And we've been reading it every week, so why don't you read it along with me this morning? It's from Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 39. It says, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. You've heard me say it before, but I love this verse because it continues to highlight this idea that the grander story is not over. That these examples of faith combined with what Jesus did on the cross and then combined with our stories is what's going to bring all of it into completion. The message translation actually says this. It says, God had a better plan for us that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole, that their lives of faith does not complete apart from ours. And I love that because it reminds each one of us this morning watching at home that each one of our stories matter in the grander, stale kingdom of God. And so this morning, we're going to look at our next hero of the faith. And believe it or not, we're going to turn our pages in the Bible to Exodus. We have only been spending all of our time in Genesis so far. So we are making progress throughout the Bible, but we are starting right in Exodus this morning. And this person that we're going to talk about, their name is mentioned approximately 150 times in the Old Testament, 80 times in the New Testament. They're accredited for writing the first five books of the Bible, which are called the Pentateuch or the Torah. They have multiple movies made about them. The Prince of Egypt, there's one called Exodus. And he's described as having a close, intimate relationship with the Lord. And in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, he's described as the most humble person on the face of the earth. So that is a tall order to live up to this morning. And we're going to look at the man of the hour, who is Moses. And so Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 10 to 12, it gives us a little brief summary about his life. It says, there has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all of his servants and his entire land. And with mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all of Israel. Now Moses, you have to understand, was the man, that there had never been anyone like him. And even earlier in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter three, the author compares Moses to Jesus to highlight how amazing Jesus is. So Moses is the baseline there to emphasize. 
that in Jewish history, he is someone that would be so well-known. Everyone would know about him. They'd celebrate not only his life, but what he did during Passover every year during the Passover festival, which we're going to talk about, that they knew that Moses was the guy. And so as usual, there's so much to Moses' story that we could spend an entire summer series only talking about him. But again, we're going to use Hebrews 11 as our guide. And so let's read it together. It starts in verse 23. It says, It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought that it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. It was by faith that Moses commended the people, commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. And it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Now, in previous talks, as I have been walking through some of these heroes, I've gone through their story and kind of life stages. And we're kind of going to do that this morning, but we're actually going to break it up and focus on the characteristics of Moses's faith. And because I'm feeling extra pastoral this morning, uh, we're going to look at three different things and they were all going to start with the letter C. So they'll be easy for you to remember. So before we pick up right before that, there's some context I want to give to Moses's life to understand the time which, to which he is living in. So to recap, after Joseph's story, which Pastor Jerry did a great job talking about last week, after Joseph's story, a new pharaoh came into the land of Egypt, came into power. And this new pharaoh had no recollection of what Joseph had done for the land. And so instead of favoring the Israelites and maybe treating them better, the Israelite people start to intimidate him. They start growing. They start um, overpopulating in Egypt. And so the Pharaoh becomes extra hesitant around these people. And so in order to make sure that they stop growing, that they don't take over Egypt entirely, he forces them into slavery. And he puts slaves drivers over them to make sure that they get their ridiculous amount of work done every day. And then on top of that, so that he has them as slaves, but on top of that, he commands some of these midwives that every time a newborn baby is born to an Israelite, they are to kill them by throwing them in the Nile River. So clearly not a nice guy. This was the context to which Moses was born into. Just utter persecution, just evil going on all over the place. And yet Moses, when he was born, his parents hid him in their, in their house for three months then they put him in a reed basket and sent him afloat down the Nile River. A little while later, Pharaoh's daughter is actually bathing in the same river and she comes across this baby, Moses, and decides to take him into her own care. And so that is just some context of where we're going to go this morning. So the first thing that we're going to look at is when Moses is a little bit older 
and it's that Moses' faith was countercultural. We read in Hebrews a little bit earlier, it said, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, remember, he was hidden, he was put down the Nile River, Pharaoh's daughter took him in as her own. Then when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to his reward. So once he's old enough, Moses decides to venture out of the palace, out of his status and privilege, and to go check out the land to which he is living in. And it's there that he sees the Israelites being worked to the bone, overworked, that they are being beaten, that it is really not a good place. They're experiencing just immense hardship, immense suffering. And he's outraged in this moment to see these people being um, the victims of such injustice. And he has such compassion for the Israelites that in a moment of haste, in a moment of not really having a lot of judgment, he kills a fellow Egyptian man. That this moment started this journey for Moses where he wants to fight for the Israelites, fight for his people who have nowhere else to turn that he wants to fight for the people of God because there's nowhere else for them to go. That he sees these insane injustices happening in the world and some of them are his own blood relatives and he couldn't sit back. Yet this choice had consequences. Moses had every right and reason to identify with the Egyptians and receive all the blessings that came with it. He had been raised in the palace. He had a place of status, of security, of privilege, of power, you name it. Moses could have had it. He easily, when he went out there, could have turned the other cheek on the Israelite people and stayed comfortable. Yet, instead of identifying with the privilege of his surroundings, he chose to faithfully step out of his comfort zone and identify with God's people no matter what the cost was that no matter how different he would be from the people that he had grown up with, no matter how many times people would look at him and whisper in the hallways of the, and the corridors of the palace, he knew what was right and he knew where he wanted to stand for. And so just as we read in Hebrews, he considered rebuke and disgrace for the sake of God and his people, greater wealth than all of the treasures that Egypt had to offer. Imagine that. We live in a world right now where we can get so wrapped up in it all, myself included. We get wrapped up in what's next, what's bigger. How can we get everyone to pay attention to us? How can we stand out? How can we gain more, achieve more, buy more, all of it? It is exhausting. And yet in this moment, Moses willingly gave up all of it for persecution and hardship. Now that is some maturity right there. That he forfeited his status, enjoyment, material affluence for what is greater in the unseen. That he put ultimate realities, what God is doing in the world, how he was moving and working before what he would presently consider an advantage. That belonging to the people of God was more important than belonging to the world. And I don't know about you, but I think that we need more faith like that today. That most times God calls us to do things that are countercultural, that go against the grain and that other people may not understand. Look at Noah and the ark. That Jesus teaches the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount, which we talked about a number of months ago. 
when he talks about the narrow gate and the wide gate, that there is this narrow gate that many people will not choose that will go towards life. And there's the wide gate that so many people are going to take that's going to lead to destruction. That you cannot walk both at the same time, which means your faith has to be countercultural, as our culture is no longer Christian by nature anymore. And this does mean that things are not going to be easy. John Stott writes, persecution is simply the clash between two irreconcilable value systems. That our, our culture today is no longer Bible-based Christian at its core. And yet when we choose to identify with the people of God, that means that it's going to come at a cost like it does for Moses. And so we're going to look at kind of three questions as we go through this talk. And so my first question for all of us this morning to not answer out loud, but to just reflect on is, does your faith push you out of your comfort zone in order to reach those around you? Would I do the same as Moses? Would I choose to give it all up to fight for the people of God when needed? Will I live differently than what culture tells me to look like? That Moses sacrificed it all for a God that he knew was faithful, not knowing what it would mean for his life here on earth. So that's the first one, that Moses' faith was countercultural. The second one is that it was confident. Hebrews also tells us that it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on their doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. And so as we read, actually, all throughout these heroes of faith, there's something that most of them have in common. And that is all about their focus, where their eyes are. That they're rarely phased by all the chaos or the consequences or the suffering that's going on around them or what they're stepping into because they know where their true focus should be. That it literally says in what we just read that Moses kept his eyes on the one who was invisible or unseen. That like we just talked about, he lived counterculturally because he trusted in what he couldn't see. And on top of that, as we're looking at, he was confident in it. The key part of that Hebrew verse that I want to focus on is it says, not being afraid of the king's anger, he kept going or he persevered. That after years of slavery, God appears to Moses in a burning bush and he calls him to be the one that will set the Israelites free of their slavery in Egypt and lead them into the promised land. Hence the, the name of the book, Exodus, where, where they're leaving. That he would be the one to facilitate what God wanted to do in Egypt, including the 10 overwhelming plagues. And so as the story goes, every time that Moses goes before Pharaoh and asks, them, asks him to let the Israelite people go, Pharaoh declines. And so just like clockwork, there's going to be a graphic on your screen for you to follow every single time there is a plague. And so there's water that all the water turns into blood. Frogs cover the entire land. Gnats are swarming the people and the livestock. Flies fill all of the houses. All of the Egyptians' livestock are dying. The Egyptians and their animals are covered with boils. There is hailstorms. There is locusts devouring all the plant life. There's darkness for three whole days. And then the worst of all, that every firstborn son and firstborn cattle will die. 
So with each denial of Pharaoh, one of those plagues comes 10 times. That there is disaster everywhere. And yet as Hebrew tells us, the Lord spares the Israelites from this last plague. That he gives them a way out by saying, if you kill a lamb or a goat, you kill them and you smear their blood on the top and the sides of the doorposts of your home. And then you sit down to eat a meal. I will protect you. I will pass over you, hence the name of the celebration. And so let's read in Exodus, just two verses from chapter 12, where this is what the Lord says. He says, these are your instructions for eating the meal. So once you've smeared all the blood on the doorpost, I want you to sit down, be fully dressed and wear your sandals and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and I will strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. And I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt for I am the Lord. But the blood of your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt that this was an immense act of faith that they had seen with their own eyes, the severity of these plagues, how they were just ruining not only the livestock, but the plant life, everything. And just because God says to do this one thing, they have enough faith that killing these lambs and smearing this blood on your doorposts from a human perspective is no more sensible than Noah building an ark when it's dry land that it didn't make sense that this is how they were going to be protected. And yet Moses was prepared to take God at his, at his word, to say, if we do this, I am confident that he's going to come through, that their lives would be spared solely because God said. That Moses taking the Israelites out of Egypt depended on his willingness to give opportunity to the invisible over the visible, to literally defy the displeasure of the most powerful man on earth at that point. That Pharaoh was not one that you messed around with and you could not be passive, that you had to be committed to the thing that you were standing on. Therefore, when the moment came for Moses to lead the Israelites out, he had to confidently leave Egypt with no turning back, keeping his eyes on the unseen and taking all 600,000 Israelite men plus all their women and children with them. That faith involves, this is for us today, faith involves confident action taken in response to the unseen God and his promises. The second question for us to reflect on this morning is, are you confidently living out your faith? Do you really live like you believe him? And for most of you, the answer might be, yes, of course I believe in that. And yet the second part that I'll add to that question is how would you live differently if you didn't believe in him? And is there really a difference? So Moses and the Israelites leave Egypt confidently. They are ready and God takes them on a detour. Exodus 13 says this, that when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might, not they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way throughout the wilderness toward the Red Sea. 
Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. Pastor Jerry talked about that last week. And he said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. And so finally this morning, we're going to look at his last characteristic of faith, that it was countercultural, it was confident, and then finally, his faith was communal. Hebrews eleven twenty nine says, It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. And so finally, like we said before, 10 plagues, there's just destruction everywhere. Finally, Pharaoh lets them go and God brings them on a different route than they expected. Then they find out that Pharaoh has changed his mind and he has sent an army after them. You can imagine just the terror that they have, that the army is chasing after the Israelites with Pharaoh's command. And this is what Exodus tells us. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and were panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. It's like a movie scene. They cried out to the Lord and they said, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? They're really complaining, really going for him. What have you done for, to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't you tell us this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And that is a whole other message on its own. But Moses told the people, do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And this is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. It was then that the Lord instructed Moses to pick up his staff and raise it over the Red Sea. And he would see the water be divided. That literally there would be a dry brown strip, dry brown um, strip right in the middle of the Red Sea for them to walk through. And again, there's so much to the story with that is exactly what happens. Moses picks up his staff. He holds it over the Red Sea and it parts that there is a dry place for them to walk. And yet the Egyptians are following behind them. So the Lord causes the Egyptians to become confused. And so it's right when the Israelites get across the Red Sea and the Egyptians are still running around like their heads are cut off that the Lord pushes the water back into the middle and all of the Egyptians drown and are swept away. That as you can see in our last Hebrew verse, that the language actually changes from by faith Moses to by faith the people. That up until now, Hebrews has been all about highlighting Moses's faith alone. And now we're going to see that his faith is spreading. That parting the Red Sea was equally implausible from God that Moses met with an equal amount of faith that he said, I don't see how this is gonna work, but I'm gonna do it, that I'm going to step out. And the Israelites get to share in that, that they have seen God move in Moses's life before. They have seen those signs and wonders and the intimacy that Moses has with God and their faith is increased because of it. That faith draws us into community and that is an encouragement to all of us this morning that we are not meant to walk this journey alone. You are not meant to walk this faith journey by yourself. 
that the writer of Hebrews doesn't focus on doctrine, like we said at the very beginning, but he focuses on people and their stories because people matter. That your story matters and it can be used to touch the stories of other people, of other people's lives. And so my last question for us this morning is, is your faith pointing people to Jesus in your everyday life? Are you taking people along for the journey? Because Moses' faith encouraged others. He encouraged them to see the faithfulness of God. And the best part of all of these stories, including Moses's, is that he wasn't remembered for all of his flaws, which I'll mention them in a moment, but he was remembered for his faith. That there were so many times that Moses messed up, and that's what we're talking about in this series that he committed murder, as I mentioned. He actually wasn't a great public speaker. He had a stutter, most scholars say. He backed down from his calling often. That as much as I said he was confident, there were definitely moments where he said, God, it is not me. Do not pick me for this mission because it's not, I don't have the skills. And he argued with God of how unqualified he was. But Moses was a man of fault who constantly persevere through difficulty. And that's the point of what we're learning throughout this series is no matter what weaknesses you feel like you have, no matter how little strengths you feel like you bring into a situation, the Lord can use you, can equip you, can move through your life and in your life. And I don't know where I remember hearing this phrase, but real faith is expressed by real people that we have to live authentic lives that I wanna recognize that I bring weaknesses to the table and the Lord can use them. That I bring strengths to the table and the Lord can use them. That even in my hardships, in the moments that I wish were just fleeting, that I just wish all of this to go away, the Lord is present in that too. And so we all mess up, we all make mistakes and we feel guilt and shame, but we are also called to have a faith that pushes through all of it. So which one does your life reflect? Does it reflect a bold, uncomfortable faith or a life led by insecurity and mistakes? Let's pray this morning. Lord, I'm just so thankful as we get to dive into your word every week that we pray that, that God, that it is just such a joy and it is just such a privilege that we have your word, that we get to learn about you and your character and what you've done for us. And God, I thank you for Moses' example that despite all the moments of weakness that he had, that you used him in such a powerful way, that despite all these moments where he was arguing and he just felt insecure and unqualified, that you created him to be the person that there was no one like him, the most humble person on the face of the earth. And so God, for myself this morning, for all of our friends watching at home, God, I pray that you would give us a faith that is countercultural that isn't afraid to step out of the lines of what culture tells us to do and to, to do what you've called us to do. God, I pray that you would give us a faith that is confident that even when storms come, even when persecution comes, when hardship comes, God, that we can be confident in what you asked us to do as well. And finally, God, would you help us to bring other people along for the journey that it would be communal. And so we thank you, God, for how good you are, how much you love each one of us what you're doing in and through our lives. And so we pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen.